Hey folks, welcome to another podcast episode on COVID stories. My name is Nathaniel and I'm an iOS developer from Berlin, Germany. The name of my guest is Balach. Balach is the founder of Epic App. It is an app that allows you to create product roadmaps in just a few minutes. Balach is an entrepreneur. He is a passionate product manager, mentor, coach and writer. Throughout his career, Balach has worked on exciting products. He has built and led teams and he is a big proponent of mindful leadership and teamwork, which is also going to be part of uh, some of the topics we're going to have on this podcast. Balach is also going to talk about how I went from product management to QA engineer, software development, back to product management, and finally launching his own company. Stay tuned. Balash, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nathaniel. Pleasure to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Um, enjoy the nice, um, warm summer Berlin day. Great, great. Mm -hmm. So uh, how long have you been in uh, Germany? So I've been in Berlin, Germany for about eight years now. I came in the winter of 2012. Great. Mm -hmm. mm. And uh, how did you, your technical background, so were you always into tech or was this something you started later so, on in your um, career? It's a, it's a very good question. I, I would say I've always been in tech, um, interestingly, because the very first computer that I played with was a Commodore 64. Um, and it wasn't working. I just had the keyboard and a little screen. Um, but that was the first computer I played with. Then I started uh, learning programming while I was in school in Pakistan. That's where I was born. Um, and then I went on to study computer science, um, held different jobs, um, Please stop me if the stories get too long, but um, I studied computer science and I went into project management, then I went into QA, then I went um, into web development, then I went back to QA, then I led some QA teams, went to product management, and then since then it's it's been um, a, an amazing journey throughout, but also especially in that case, because then I got to actually lead products and teams and build new stuff. Um, so always been in tech. So what led you into this, let's say, job hopping? <laughs> I, I would say um, there's a very interesting story. So my very first job lasted only one and a half months, and that was um, project management or project coordination. And the reason I had chosen that job was that I wanted to build products but not as a software engineer, even though I studied computer science um, because I had this belief that most tech companies or products don't fail because we don't have good engineers. They fail because product management fails or business fails. And I wanted to make that difference. And I was like, well, I have 200 people in my batch and they're all really good programmers and most of them better than me. So I don't want to be another programmer, but I have this mindset that is comes at it from the product point of view. And that's where, what I wanted to do. But that job lasted one and a half months only because it was an agency and um, the first couple of projects I got to work on um, were not going to go anywhere and our customers were unhappy and I couldn't get a team from management to actually work on the projects. And this was all in Pakistan? This was all in Pakistan. And that was a very disappointing start where it was like, well, I want to build products and the job that gives me the opportunity actually doesn't let me do that because they had too much work. Um, and they couldn't care less. So I quit. Um, and then instead of going to any other agency, I went into QA because I was like, 
this is where I can still take the user's point of view and still influence the product without still programming and being close to product management. And I got lucky and um, that job was with the San Francisco-based company. And the next 18 months were a roller coaster. So I got to learn incredible amounts, uh, working directly with the CTO, the CEO, the engineering managers. I remember having discussions with the CTO in my first week in the job. There was no hierarchy and, and I was getting everything that I had wanted, uh, but in a different role. So I did that. Um, I moved to Singapore with the same company. We, we started an office um, there. And after a few months of working San Francisco Times, um, and we were working also with San Francisco Work Ethics, so this was 16, 18 hours a day. Imagine starting at midnight, finishing at 6 p.m. the next day, probably getting three hours of sleep, uh, and then starting all over again. So at some point I couldn't do that anymore, and I decided to, to quit. And then the question was, well, what else do I wanna do? Um, and then I, I chose programming as the next challenge for me, where I was like, okay, I've studied computer science. I now have enough skill as a QA engineer, um, and I've gotten to learn from some very, very strong, technically oriented, as well as business oriented people. Um, let me also polish this side of mine that I've been neglecting. So I kind of took took the, the QA challenge up a notch, um, did that for another two years, um, and that was purely out of the, the desire to learn. And then I went back to QA when I moved to Germany, because at that point I was like, okay, now I can say I'm probably one of the best QA engineers around now that I don't just test, don't just have the product um, point of view, but I can also program, which means when I talk to engineers, wow. um, I can actually help you and I mm. can actually influence the product even better because now I know the language that, that I previously had kind of put aside. So that was the, the reason to go back to QA um, and then eventually to product um, because over time, that's what I ended up doing. I, I was um, probably, let's say 60% of my job um, was really making sure that we did the product in the best way possible with all the best practices so that I had to find less bugs. So in a way, I was making my life easier as a QA engineer by preventing stuff and by focusing more on product to actually come out with a quality product rather than just testing and preventing bugs. So all of these uh, kind of the, the thread was same across, across the board. It was always learning a bit more, doing better products uh, and being able to create value for, for everyone involved in the process. Um, and I have to say, um, since starting my own company, it's kind of like challenges keep keep growing, and um, I, I love this. Great. Uh, you've also been a speaker, uh, mentor, mm -hmm. and so have you been in any event where you had like to speak to, to speak about, talk about your your experience, talk about your company, talk about your journey, mm -hmm. or is it just something that's like internal in your company? So I've um, actually last year, as I started Epic, I also started um, Inspired in Berlin, um, where we did a bunch of workshops um, and I got to t speak to different people on different topics. Um, we have done a few um, public speaking events on mindfulness and teamwork and leadership as well. Um, before in my previous companies, through the companies, I did some speaking arrangements as well. Um, I think my very first um, 
public speaking thing was a live testing um, workshop. And this was um, this was quite quite amazing where I was like, hey, wait a second, I can actually do this. Um, and um, I'd never done that before. So it was really like, let's talk about testing, the purpose of testing, but at the same time, actually live test this thing. Um, and we were testing APIs. So um, so I've done quite a few, um, quite a few of these um, internal events as well as self-organized events. Um, have I been in a big conference yet? No, not yet. Mm. But so. I, I can see you, <laughs> see you, see you there definitely. And uh, you all, you wrote a book, right? Or you, or you, or I have a bit of a book in progress. Um, I've been writing a lot of articles of late. Um, so writing was always a hobby of mine for quite some time. Um, and a few years ago, I had started writing down some of the ideas I had. And I had tech ideas and I had book ideas as well. Um, so I have one book book idea pretty cleared out with some content already. Um, a few other more kind of rough ideas, um, but the focus this year has been a lot on um, product management, mindfulness, leadership. So I've been writing more articles on that. Um, we'll see how this develops, but I think these would be the two streams that will continue when, when it comes to authorship for me. Mm. So as someone who have a lot of experience in product management, do you think to be a really good product manager, you need some experience in QA? in software development or is this something that's just nice to have um it is nice to have okay it is it is not necessary because good product management is really all about kind of on on a very basic level it's it's good business um and i would say the same for engineering as well mm. Because what good business is about providing your customers what they need in the best way possible uh, and in a way that creates value for you. And that's what product managers are tasked with. So their speciality is not writing code or not finding bugs or not just user testing because there are experts in all of those fields. But what the product manager does is brings all of that together in a way that fulfills business uh, mission and, and creates value for the business as well as creates value for the user. And if you have that mindset, you don't need to have had worked as an engineer or worked as a QA engineer um, or a user tester. All of these give you different tools that you could work with and you can pick them up. Um, so I've now worked with quite a few junior product managers over the last few years and I've had people who had zero engineering or tech background um, and they were able to pick up some of the necessary skills but the core strength for them was still being able to bring business and customer point of view together um, in a way that um, satisfies all the parties mm, great thank you um, let's talk about entrepreneurship i'm still having issues pronouncing that word but i'm, I'm working on it <laughs> you and me <laughs> entrepreneurship uh so when did you decide to let's say do your own thing to create your own business start your own business so the the official answer is um around june last year 
wait a minute. So you're telling me that you woke up one morning and was like, you know what, I want to start my own business or was it something? <laughs> well, there's always the first morning, right? Um, but it's always a process as well. So for me, um, officially, as I said, it's because I'd been working at Here Technologies and I started the um, on-man mobility team there with a few friends and um, eventually ended up leading that team as well. Um, and then went to Lab 1886, which is Daimler's tech incubator. Um, and I was very lucky to work on quite a few interesting projects there relating to, um, to, to auto financing, to car insurance, to related to autonomous mobility. Um, and the biggest project I did there was um, this e-scooter service um, by Lab 1886, which we launched in Helsinki last year in August. And this was an amazing experience. Um, being in an incubator really puts you face to face with entrepreneurship, which you are usually shielded from if you are in a bigger company. Because um, at Here Technology, I always had a lot of support around me. Um, I had brilliant marketeers, user researchers, brilliant engineers, um, business planners. So I could focus very much on core product management work and interact with a lot of these people and focus on people development. When you come to an incubator, um, the the setup is slightly different. So you bring together cross-functional teams to take an idea and see if it could become a business. So you do a lot of validation, you do the product definition, and then you are in a very fast-paced environment of actually getting it out. Um, and that demands a lot, and that means you have to be on your feet all the time, and you have to be able to not just rely on all these people. So you do, you still have amazing experts and um, Lab 1886 had really, really um, top of line people, but you have to be able to spar with them on the same level. So so you, if you're talking to a venture architect and they're doing the business plan, you have to be able to read the numbers at the very least. Um, they will do the rest of the magic. And if they are talking to you on the product level, they have to have some understanding of it. Mm. Um, so, so all of that really kind of gives you this sense of possibility if you're up for the challenge, because it can get very overwhelming very fast. Um, for me, this was probably the most intense period after my first San Francisco-based job. Um, this was super intense, but I learned a lot. Um, and as I was doing this, um, as I said, I had been keeping a list of ideas of my own. Um, the idea for Epic kept jumping at me. Um, and having done this and having worked quite hard for the last few years, I, I was like, I was kind of leaning towards taking some time off. Mm -hmm. So that was the first reason I decided that um, I handed in my notice period um, just in line with finishing some of the projects that I was working on. And it was after I handed in the notice uh, period that I was like, hmm. Well, I could also sit at home for a year or I could do something. And it was that that slight shift. Once that happened, um, that was a matter of a couple of weeks where it was like, no, this is the thing that I have to do. Were you scared? Very good question. Um, I was scared after I decided that I will do Epic. <laughs> so up until that point, uh, it was like all good. The, moment, the day it was like, okay, I, I'm going to do this. Um, and I told this to my wife. Um, it was like, well, there's no going back now. <laughs> this is a commitment and I have to keep it. Um, 
but it disappeared quite fast because then um, I still had some work to do um, and then we did the kickoff and then there was a lot of work to do on company formation, defining the product and we set ourselves a very aggressive deadline of launching in four months on a very small team. Um, it was just that the thrill of creating something um, that you kind of, I've had this idea in some shape or form for about three years. So this this thrill of we're finally doing this um, took over. Great. Um, let's talk about the app, the product, mm -hmm. Epic. So what exactly is that? What exactly is this product? What does it do? Epic is a um, collaboration tool at, at the core. Um, and it does two things. It does product roadmap planning and um, what we could call sprint planning. Um, and it does it together. So the idea for us is that when you use Epic as a team um, or as an engineer, you go in and you see what your next goal is um, and you see what you have done so far to reach to that point and the upcoming milestones um, and how they take you to the, to the long-term milestones. And if you want to then jump into the sprint view, it's just one click away. Um, and this is the big difference from a lot of the existing tools where you could create pretty complex roadmaps, but then they are detached from your day-to-day -day work. Um, or you have tools like Jira or Asana, um, and they're complex to various, to different degrees. Um, some way more than others and doing, doing a lot more than what you need. Um, and what happens is that you end up losing focus because either you get too much detail or too little. Hmm. Um, and with Epic, this is our goal that you can within seconds you know what's going on and you can start contributing um, and if it doesn't make sense you can start challenging um, and that's for me is is what collaboration is all about being able to work well together the tool does its job gets out of the way you don't have to learn it the user experience has to be amazingly intuitive um, i think we are pretty much there we still have a long way to go um, in in various um, aspects of functionality but what we have I believe we are we're going back to that original idea of Epic is to enable collaboration for tech teams. Mm. Simple. Great, great. I think I'm going to look into it with my team. <laughs> Please. Um, and if you have any feedback, um, especially if you have negative feedback, okay. do tell me. Mm. Great. And uh, you're still looking for investors, right? For, for, for your project? Yeah, we've been looking for um, investors. So we self-funded the first part of it um, in, in the beginning. And now we're looking for investors. Thanks to COVID, the world has changed. Uh, we are very well aware of it. Luckily, we are under no pressure at the moment as well. So um, fingers crossed we find the right fit. Um, that's important. Um, you're going to ask something else as well? Um, actually, I wanted to ask how entrepreneurship has changed you as a person. Oh, wow. Oh, are um, you thinking about something else? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, let, me, let me add, um, we're not just looking for investors. Um, we're also looking for a marketing person and two full-stack engineers. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, okay, are you so hiring? <laughs> this is code stories. Do not forget. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, if somebody is looking for, for the next challenge and this, this sort of a project speaks to them, please get in yeah, touch. Sure, um, sure. And now to, to entrepreneurship. Um, I would also like to hear your view on how Code Stories has, has changed you because for me, entrepreneurship is all about taking an initiative. It is about bringing something to world um, that didn't exist before. 
and it is always novel um because you are a new person doing it in your way um it is always unique and doing that makes you um take risks and make decisions and and put bets on things um so for me the bet was that we can do um something coming at product management and collaboration from a fresh perspective uh but that is just the um let's say the spirit of the project right at the same time you have to bring people together you have to do finance and accounting you have to form a company um you have to manage uh, bank accounts you have to do a lot and the very first thing you feel as an entrepreneur is um i have to be on top of everything mm. and i cannot shy away from anything else so so there's no more complaining mm. it's like if it needs to be done well <laughs> you do it um so that is one thing that has become sharpened in me um i was very lucky as i said having worked at lab 1886 and and previously this personal shift has been happening in me for quite some time now um we'll probably talk about mindfulness at some point as well but this thing of take initiative um even if there's a likelihood that you'll probably be wrong by taking initiative you get to learn something um and you might do some good so instead of being afraid of failure you focus on what what good could possibly happen um and that is what you bring to entrepreneurship because you you basically turn everything on the optimistic side you focus everything towards this goal you have this vision you have um and for me this has been um there's something that that'll always be with me mm. um and that is that is an amazing feeling um great and and you have had to start an initiative to me this is entrepreneurship yeah. <laughs> as well uh yeah yeah kind of i i mean it's it's an it's an it's a hobby right now mm. however it has changed a lot right it's just a lot of awareness learning how to listen to someone learning how to write a script learning mm. how to uh look into certain topics i never knew about right? yeah so it's it's very challenging but it's at the same time it's very eye opening mm. experiencing how far you can actually go it's uh it's it's great it's great <laughs> yeah that's that's exactly the feeling um kind of you're learning and growing every single day exactly and once you once you get a sense for that it's um you're not going to go <laughs> back <laughs> great uh talking about mindfulness so mm. um When you told me that you wanted to talk about mindfulness, I had to look into mindfulness myself because I was like mindfulness I haven't heard about that. So according to um dictionary it's um uh being aware of what is happening to you or what is happening in your surrounding but not allowing it to have uh, taking over uh, take over you or take over uh your mind. Right? Yeah. So um as an entrepreneur There are so certain things that are going on in the company, right? People are going to get hired, people are going to get fired. And there's certain you will never be able to satisfy make everybody happy. Hmm. So, how do you deal with that? It, it's an amazing question and um disclaimer of um right off uh, off the bat, I'm not a mindfulness expert, um but I'm a user of it. Um and in my experience it has benefited me a lot so 
just to explain it a bit more, this idea of being able to pay attention to something um, without judging it. Um, that's a, quite simply being able to focus without getting lost in the details um, leads to a lot of beautiful things um, in your person, mentally, physically, physiologically. It has been, there's a lot of research now over the last 40 years on it um, that it can speed up um, physical recovery, that it helps with ADHD, that it helps people um, recover from addiction um, better than some of the drugs out there. Um, and it is at the base of it is this ability to be able to focus without getting caught up in it. And then it starts to spill over in the rest of your life. Um, and the same happens in leadership and entrepreneurship. There will always be people who are, who are unhappy. There will always be difficult situations. Uh, you will have to make difficult decisions. And in that moment, that ability to focus and put things into perspective is what can really um, make or break the situation. So if if something is not working out, somebody's not performing and you, you're kind of on the verge of firing them and you need to have those conversations, if you're not able to put it into perspective, most likely what happens is that people's emotions take over. They they shout at each other. Um, and and surprisingly, this still happens um, in, in the tech world as well because quite often the stakes are very high, especially if you're an entrepreneur or you're, you're in the startup world. Um, so the pressure builds up, and if you can't handle that uh, with the power of your mind, with mindfulness, this can lead to very bad um, results. What mindfulness does is then the more you practice it, the more you are centered, the more you are able to recover from the stress response of your body. So it doesn't make you um, inhuman. It doesn't make you numb to anything, but it gives you more um, clarity that it gives you more of the the internal tools to be able to still be Nathaniel, the gentle person. Situation is bad. You are able to put it into perspective. You are able you are able to express your emotion in a way that is constructive rather than hurtful for the other person. So, as a leader, mindfulness um, has been indispensable for me because it has shown me all the ways that I used to get triggered, all the ways that I've had to transform myself, all the ways where by being able to control my own mind, I'm able to get the best out of the team and create the right environment for them to do to do the best work, to be able to notice what is not going well, to be able to um, proactively reach out to people if something is not working out rather than letting it build up and blow up. Um, so in, in, in the context of work, mindfulness has been transformative for me and I think it is incredibly important if you ever have to manage anybody else um, or have to work with anybody else, which is, well, all of our life. Um, it is, it is, a, it is a most wonderful thing or the best tool you can have for yourself, for your mind. Um, that'll that'll allow you to to always be at your best um, and build from that. So that's that's how mindfulness has has helped me um, over over the years, and especially as an entrepreneur. Um, and in the few months that we have had, yes, I have had to fire one person, uh, but it was not a bad thing at all. We are on good terms. Um, in the end, it was about 
um, the needs of the company versus the needs of the person versus the situation we were in. And had it not been for mindfulness, this would have been, this would probably have been very hurtful. Um, as I've also heard from many other friends in, in the tech community. Mm. Um, at the same time, also um, wanting to release something in such a short time frame um, as an entrepreneur doing all sorts of things uh, and still being happy. Um, I, I give credit to mindfulness and um, to put it into perspective, for me, the last nine months have been the happiest time in my life. So, you know, there's this cliche that as an entrepreneur, this is a lot of work and there's yeah. a lot of stress. Um, there's a lot of work, but it doesn't have to be stress at all. Mm. Uh, it can be incredibly fulfilling, and and um, that's that's my experience. Um, and I would give the credit to mindfulness. Right. And uh, collaboration. So, mm. how within a team, how do you handle collaboration? So, or maybe top of that, what do you do to help the team grow as person? Uh, personally and professionally what what do you actively do to make that happen um to me um the very first thing that that needs to happen when you need to collaborate is communication yeah. um because any team there's no team without a goal let's say if you don't have a goal a shared goal then you might be a bunch of individuals. Perhaps you're working in a research lab and everybody has their own project. You might be colleagues, but you can't be a team. The team comes together when you have a shared goal. If you're trying to find a vaccine for the coronavirus, um, or if you are a football team trying to win the league, um, or if you are a software team trying to develop an app, there's a shared goal, which makes you a team. And in order to make this goal clearer, in order to make a plan to, to reach this goal, in order to divide the, the tasks among you, you have to communicate. That is the very first thing that needs to happen. And that is the one thing that if you get it right, everything else follows. And that's where I always try to put a lot of focus on communication in order to foster all the collaboration um and and for me the 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 most important thing is always to create an environment where where people feel safe enough to express themselves um and the way i do it personally is i express myself and i express if i'm sad on a day i express if i expect more i express if i'm really happy um i acknowledge these emotions in other people um, because that's where you actually connect with people um, if you think back all the friends you have made um, it's always kind of this non-functional communication you know if i need something from you and you have it and i don't have it and i ask you for it and you give it to me that's transactional functional communication um, if we say hey can you please review my code that is transactional functional communication that needs to happen as well but i come into work and i say nathaniel you seem a bit sad today what's going on um or maybe it's the other way around um and it, the reason could be anything um that's where we connect because then when you answer that you reveal a part of yourself 
um, that that connects to to a part of me that has nothing to do with work. And when you have this emotional safety, emotional connection within the team, you can have the difficult conversations. Because if you didn't have that, then everything would be a negotiation. Everything would be a fight. When you're actually connected with people, um, you know, you, you have heard of and seen teams where when they are together, they achieve incredible things. The, you know, the odds might be completely against them. They still achieve stuff yeah. because they're connecting on a different level and they feel safe with each other. Um, when you see um, football games or um, I look to sports a lot for this um, or basketball games, which is even more faster paced. Mm. And then, uh, you know, you're the underdogs or the other team is winning. And sometimes people even shout at each other, but rather than it hurting them and bringing their performance down it inspires them because they are they understand that this person is expressing their emotions and in this moment the words they use might not be optimal but the spirit is communicated because that base has been established mm. uh, and for me that is communication is key to everything that follows in collaboration because when you enable that as a leader um when you express yourself and allow that expression, you will give people the platform where all the technical stuff, all the um, functional stuff can also be easily communicated. And if there's a negotiation, it is a friendly negotiation. It is a much more human to human communication rather than, um, let's say, what, what happens in still unfortunately in quite a few teams where the product manager or the CEO comes in and says, I want this, do this. Um, everybody collaborate together and get this done uh, it's almost like saying you now be creative mm. you be happy you mm. can't be creative and happy on demand yep. you have to have the right environment for that and mm. it flows out of you mm. and the collaboration to me is a result of the environment you create for the team mm -hmm. um, so you mm -hmm. you also into sports right so I think that's also something that uh, that uh, that you see in sport team sports especially in team sport that you can bring into the team yeah and so i think in your team you also do like you go out uh, for hang out with each other play with each other play play basketball or whatever yeah what you do just to create that uh, team spirit so unfortunately due to covid with epic we have not been able yeah. to do a lot of that <laughs> um but i have um done this quite a bit also in the, in the previous teams and um, I used to do Taekwondo. Um, I, used, I started learning and practicing Taekwondo while I was in Pakistan, while I was studying computer science as well. Um, and then I competed in Taekwondo competition is an individual sport. But what happens interestingly is when you step on the mat, there's, there's your coach on the side. And, and quite often that coach is shouting commands at you or telling you to do something or not do something. And then between rounds, you have a minute where he has to kind of get you up to speed again and say, you did this and don't do this again and so on. Um, and when you win or lose, you don't win just as a coach or just as the player. Um, and you don't lose just as the player or the coach. You win together. Mm. Um, and I had an amazing few experiences with that when when it worked 
it was like creating music together it was like jamming together um um where the coach says something you pick it up you execute it you add a bit of your creativity to it you come back and and then you go further and then i played football where this happens all the time um, soccer or soccer soccer but so if i like i prefer football it's not soccer it's football for me as well it is football <laughs> but just to be on the safe side it is the thing you kick with your, your feet foot, exactly. and you're not allowed to yeah, touch, yeah, touch. <laughs> football football um when you play football this communication has to happen all the time and um so i in football i played up to sunday league so not not further than that but even there we had a few players who had um who were, who were kind of ex semi professionals so you could see how you were really creating the game through communication um not just with your ability to run or kick the ball um and that's that's where it was it was a game of collaboration with the tools and with the rules and regulations of that game um when it comes to tech it is it is also the same thing um so sports has been has been an amazing thing for me because what i also learned from sports was in sports being competitive is always advantages to everybody so if we are if you are having a taekwondo fight or if we are in the opposite sides of of a football team um you know i want to beat you so i have to get better than you and you want to beat me so you have to get be better than me um so it brings everybody up being competitive and the desire to 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 win um is something i take quite seriously because it is also an expression of um expressing expressing yourself and your agency your will mm. you're on the field you have certain ability and you will not just lay down and be run over by the other team you are going to express yourself and then try to do this better so when you bring all of that to software teams it's like hey we are here we have skills and it's one of the most well paid industries in the world mm-hmm. um why not make this the best possible experience why not learn how to collaborate better communicate better play better together is when you do that it feels like play then it doesn't feel like work um when when the team can work well together when they can bounce ideas off of each other when they can support each other um so for me sports is always a, is an amazing metaphor and some of the um maybe it's my limited experience but i've seen quite a few people who have done sports to to let's say a bit more than amateur level they always have this spark in them um where they're not just doing their job but they're almost always in this team mode um and that's a beautiful thing to see great thank you very much uh, i think we've li- uh, hit the <laughs> the max limit uh, max limit yeah um thank you for being here sharing experience so um when what is what's next next step for epic so right now it's just web web app right yeah so you're looking forward to be on mobile on uh like client version absolutely so um in a few months so we're gonna we're gonna delay the mobile versions um by some time um but it is gonna be on mobile we'll probably have a packaged app as well um 
something like Slack. Um, so you can use it in, we in web as well as have a packaged app for, mm. for better experience for mm. certain things. Mm. So there's, there's incredible amount of work um, still to be done because for us right now, it does a plan and then your weekly plan. Um, eventually, it is supposed to do everything. It is supposed to um, kind of replace your Confluence wiki or whatever else you have. Um, it's going to bring in analytics from third parties. There will be um, certain other assisted analytics-based use cases that we're going to throw in as well. So it's supposed to be this tool that um, that covers all your needs when it comes to managing information needed for collaboration. Great. Big plans. <laughs> Thank you very much. Pleasure, Nathaniel. Thank you for having me here. You're um, welcome. It was as amazing as I had expected it to be. Thank you. Have a nice day. Bye. Ciao.